everybody, and welcome back to Resident Frequency, the amateur radio podcast. My name is Richard, KB5JBV, and I am your host. Thank you all for joining us again, and uh, I tell you what, downloads have been amazing, truly amazing. Uh, We just keep having more and more first month downloads, and I'm quite happy to see it myself. Well, field day is come and gone. I hope everybody did well over the course of field day. And uh, I went out and visited a couple places and uh, saw a lot of folks really enjoying themselves. Okay, so uh, let's see what we've had go on here in the last uh, little bit. Uh, Email has slowed way down again. Uh, The only email that uh, I have for this time around is one that uh, I think it was pointed at both shows. So uh, we addressed it over at Linux in the Ham Shack, and uh, I'll go ahead and read it over here. It's from Bob, K4BB, and it says, Hey, Richard, I just discovered the Resonant Frequency and LHS podcasts in the last month and enjoy them. I also enjoy the music, even though sometimes I think the bandwidth necessary to download it might be a waste. Okay, keep up, keep it coming, the shows and the music. Uh, good job, good show. And that's from Bob, K4BB. All right, Bob, well, thank you. And we said thank you over yonder. And uh, I'll express the same opinion here that uh, we expressed over there, which is uh, we are not Amateur Radio Newsline. We are not uh, ARRL Audio News. We are not This Week in Amateur Radio and, or any of the other podcasts. And for the most part, Russ put it best when he said, uh, these podcasts kind of fall under the purview of infotainment. Uh, we try to give you some information, try and keep you entertained while it's going on. But, uh, for those of you who feel that, uh, uh, there's a waste of bandwidth with the music and stuff like that, you're welcome to go listen to ARRL audio news and hear what one is when, they really don't care what the quality is as long as they can keep the bandwidth down. All righty, I'd like to thank all the folks that are following me on Twitter now. We're getting very close to 500 on Twitter. Uh, if we haven't reached it yet, I haven't checked it today, but uh, we are extremely close. And uh, uh, I'd like to thank all the folks that have sent out kind words for, uh, yeah, kind words for the uh, Resonant Frequency podcast on Twitter and other places. Uh, Uh, Most especially WA4HRK, who uh, contacted me and just said the last episode he felt was one of the best. All right, and let's see what else we got. I know what we got. We got a mention from several folks over the last few months uh, on their blogs, on their podcasts, most specifically. One being the Techie Geek Podcast. Now, the Techie Geek Podcast is run by a fellow named Russ Winter, who, uh, even though he is not a ham, does have uh, friends that are ham radio operators, and uh, he's the gentleman that used to do you used to do the Distro Watch news ca- our podcast every mo- every week, and uh, he's backed off to do just his own uh, personal podcast, which is called the Techie Geek, and you can find it at http colon slash slash thetechiegeek dot com, and uh, he talks about all kinds of things. Uh, Hardware, software, MP3 players. In fact, he turned me on to uh, 
a four gig Sansa clip for $35, which is like half of what they sell for brand new. And, uh, I've really been enjoying it. So we'd like to say thank to, thanks to, uh, Russ winter. Uh, also, uh, monster B and some of the others over at, uh, hacker public radio. Uh, we'd like to thank those guys. They've been talking about us quite a bit. We're really, uh, really getting popular with the other show and this one here like i said first month downloads are on the rise so apparently we're uh, heading into another prosperous area okay uh so email you guys y'all gotta send me feedback or i don't know what's going on i'm not getting anything in the forums i'm not getting anything via email you know uh i try to answer y'all's questions when i can you know, this whole thing, this is this show more than the other one is uh, listener-driven. If y'all don't let me know what y'all want to hear about, then I have to kind of pull stuff out of the air. And sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. This time around, uh, in the main segment, we've got me talking about some questions that were posed to me out at uh, field day. Because they seem to be pertinent, and since they were coming from New Hams, and uh, some that uh, may not be exactly new, but are getting into areas of amateur radio they've never been in before, I thought it was time to talk about these things a little bit. We may go back and uh, examine them in detail a little further in the future. Changes to the websites. Now, uh, for those of you who check out the Resonant Frequency blog, and... uh, get your downloads from there you'll notice that a month or so back we changed uh, changed that uh, particular website up to use different uh, piece of software and i hope it's working out we've also added aug feed for those of y'all who would prefer your audio in aug that's one of the reasons i got this sense of clip because i'd like to go to that free and open format yeah, especially since it's small for a smaller file you get better quality and uh some other changes there. We're also making changes over at Black Sparrow Media. I've uh, not had time to uh, work with it the way I should, and it has become neglected a little bit, and I'm going to get back there on, on it. But I can't do this by myself. One of the reasons some of these things are getting behind is because I need some help, quite honestly. And you guys are welcome to do so. I'm Send me an email. If you can help out, you know, everything from helping keep up show notes and uh, adding links to working on uh, writing PHP and getting the ten- getting the look and look and feel of the websites better, or even just like writing articles about your experiences in amateur radio, or sending me uh, audio clips to include in the podcast here. You know, one of the reasons we've discontinued the segment formerly known as Buzzword is simply because I don't have the time to be able to do two segments. And it was getting kind of difficult to get all that together and get a show out on time. If you decide you want to send in a segment for the, uh, or a, a piece for the segment formerly known as Buzzword, you know, keep it to less than 15 minutes. And that's the only real uh, criteria involved. As long as it's fairly, fairly decent audio, we'll get it on. And if we have to clean it up a little bit, it's no problem. If you want to send in a main segment, please make it less than 30 minutes. Uh, less than 30 minutes works out pretty well for the main segment. And from time to time, y'all, I'm sure y'all have noticed that the uh, main segment doesn't even go that long sometimes, but it kind of depends on what we have time to do. 
Now, donations is uh, something we need to talk about, too, because donations have once again stopped completely. You know, I hate to keep bringing this up, but every time I don't bring it up for a couple episodes, we end up uh, not even having anybody clicking through on the Amazon links. Last month, we had one person click through on an Amazon link. And uh, we're able to see what's going on with that. We're fixing to discontinue the stuff that is not doing anything for us. Google AdSense, we've had for uh, two or three years and hasn't uh, brought in one dime for the podcast. So we're looking at getting rid of that. The Cafe Press Store, which is where the uh, T-shirts and ball caps and stuff like that is, has also not brought in one dime. However, Amazon has. And... uh, even though it's not a lot, it's about 4% of whatever you spend. So if you spend 20 bucks, we get, I guess, uh, th- I think it's about a buck. But even at that, every little bit counts. Uh, since we started uh, Amazon a uh, year and a half ago, yeah, a year and a half ago we started Amazon, uh, we pulled in about $70 through Amazon. So, like I said, it's not a lot, and it does help. And as far as hardware and stuff, that's uh, that's we don't cash doesn't even have to change hands on that because a lot of the stuff that we may need to upgrade here and uh, keep things going is available there. Also, if you are a ham radio operator who has some product or service that you're interested in uh, showing to the world. Let us know because we're at the point we are considering to start taking advertising. We are not going to take advertising on the podcasts just yet, but we are considering uh, advertising at the websites, putting up banners, that kind of stuff. And if you'll notice when you've been over to the websites, there is some pseudo advertising there already. The banners that run over at the website right now, other than the Amazon banner, are all free simply because uh, these guys, none of them, are operating a, uh, a business. And uh, if you'll look at the banners over there, there are, they are for other podcasts for the most part, which are also free podcasts just like this one is. And we will fight desperately to maintain it as a free podcast. But these are some of the things that are going on here. And uh, like I said, we could use some help out there. I don't understand. uh, uh, When I was a newly licensed ham, there were people all around me that wanted to jump in, roll up their sleeves, and uh, get get the hands dirty, working to promote amateur radio and uh, move things along. But times have changed. Okay, if you want to uh, make some sort of donation, go over to the website. That's uh, rfpodcast.info, H-T-T-P colon stroke stroke rfpodcast.info. And you'll be able to make a donation straight into PayPal there. If you prefer to use the Amazon method, you know, you've got a movie, a piece of hardware, favorite song something you're going to go over go purchase anyway go on over to amazon or go on over to blacksparrowmedia.com click on the amazon link and uh, that'll take you right on through and it'll be just like normal at amazon and uh, we get a little piece of it for the podcast here so with that i think we've pretty much covered everything we uh, we can and uh yeah i'll hand out uh what information I remember while things are going uh, at the end. So why don't we just go ahead and move on to the main segment. 
go, you know, I want y'all to know that I love Field Day. And one of the reasons that I love Field Day is because I get asked so many good questions by new hams, mostly new hams, because the hams that have been around a while, at least here locally, feel they don't need somebody like me anymore. They know everything. So uh, I go out to Field Day and I get approached by the new guys and get asked questions and that kind of stuff. And I love answering questions, as you can tell. One of the ones that came up, well, I want to address a couple. I had a gentleman come up to me, and he was talking about his dipole antenna. He was running a G5 RV, and he was concerned that he wasn't able to stretch it out the way it was supposed to be, or at least the way he's been told it's supposed to be. And we talked for a while. And one of the concerns he had was, instead of being in a perfect inverted V, it was kind of leaned a little bit. You know, it was in a V V shape, but the legs were, if you looked at the V, it was leaning over to the side. Well, there's a lot of things going on here. Another question he asked was about, uh, we talked a couple minutes about NVIS and that kind of stuff. So let me just uh, talk a few minutes about a few of these things. So first of all, if you're using wire antennas or any antenna, if you're using an antenna that's less than a half a wavelength long, then you're working in a compromised position anyway. Now, I know there's going to be a few folks out there but that are going to say, but wait a minute, wait a minute, what about verticals and what about um, beam antennas? Well, in the case of a beam antenna, unless it's loaded, the driven element's going to be half a wavelength long or pretty close to that. Same way with a vertical antenna. In the case of vertical antennas, you're pretty much not going to be able to get away from loading because if you decide you want to work 75 or 80 meters, a quarter length, quarter wave antenna on that frequency is going to be 60, 70 feet long. So uh, you have to take these things into account. Now, we compromise, we use loading coils and traps, and we figure out different ways. And even in the case of a wire antenna, even if it is a full half-wave dipole or one of these others that are half-wavelength long, we end up having to hang them in different fashions. And part of the reason for this is that same quarter wavelength is important as far as height above ground. The ground you stand on is not the ground we're talking about. The apparent ground of the antenna can be a foot, two foot, three feet lower beneath the ground, or in some cases can be a few inches above the ground. So it's kind of hard to determine where this ground is going to be. Ideally, you would like uh, to have your half-wave dipole or any other antenna quarter wavelength above ground, earth ground. But since we can't really determine this, without some extensive knowledge of how radio waves interact with uh, uh, ground conductivity and that kind of stuff. And even if we did figure it out, anytime it rained or snowed, it'd cause a problem anyway. One of the things we run, one of the ways we can uh, fix this is to create an artificial ground. Uh, it's really hard to find wire screen anymore, but you could take some screen and bury it and then you would know where your ground was. You can do the same thing by setting up a crisscross pattern of wire in the yard and that kind of stuff. 
and create this ground. But once again, first time it rained, you'd be a few inches off. Most of the stuff we do, as far as these antennas are concerned, are a compromise. I myself have a G5 RV up at the present time, which is not a great antenna. It is a compromise, but it's better than hearing the wife complain because it was looking like Marconi's station around here for a little while. And yes, it is a compromise. And it's only 30 feet off the ground, which makes it... Uh, okay for 40 meters well it's about five feet short for 40 meters two or three feet anyway and uh, it's way short for 80 meters but then i get the benefits and we'll get to that in a minute it's always a compromise where these antennas are concerned especially with wire because sometimes you have to fold them bend them lay them over on their side right now uh my antenna actually looks like a set of guy wires on the on the pole. I have a dual band uh, VHF UHF antenna on top of the pole, and the feed line and the two legs of the dipole come off of the uh, support structure in a fashion that makes them look like guy wires. So uh, it's always a compromise unless you've got a, a lot that. Uh, that's going to allow you to put two towers that are 125 or so feet tall and 125 or so feet apart and everything else, you're not going to have a perfect installation on a dipole or anything horizontal that will operate down on 75 meters. So don't get too excited about not being able to get it just right. It's like I've told so many people in the past, uh, I used to work HF out of a second story apartment i lived in i had a 10 meter uh, dipole in a l tacked to the wall in the bedroom and a 20 meter dipole run across the ceiling from the corner of the bedroom to the corner of the dining room and the feed point was at the bedroom door and still made good usable contacts it wasn't great wasn't stellar but it worked so um Another thing that we discussed concerning these antennas when we were talking about it is uh, MVIS. The gentleman I was talking to was telling me that, uh, well, you know, me and a uh, guy I know tried to do some MVIS on 10 meters, and we couldn't get it to work. He was just down in Waco, which is only about 100 miles from here, y'all, and uh, we couldn't make it work. Uh, the band was quiet, everything was wonderful, but we both got on 10 meters. I only had my antenna about 6 inches above the ground, and we couldn't make it happen. Well, you're not going to. And the reason you're not going to is because radio waves are, unless you're uh, some, a physicist or something like that, uh, you're not going to understand how all this stuff interacts unless, of course, you've been a ham forever in a day and had to deal with it and work with it. But one thing you uh, will realize over time is that as you go up in frequency, the escape angle, for lack of a better phrase, is different, <laughs> as it were. You know, and this gets into launch angles off an antenna and how a vertical is better DX antenna than a 
a dipole and all this other stuff. But without getting too terribly complicated on the subject, let's just uh, let's look at it this way. Below 20 meters, you start talking about energy involved in these radio waves. And the same angle that will allow a radio wave at 75 or 80 meters and 40 meters to reflect off a ionosphere, once you get up past those uh, frequencies, the energy level is such that that same angle coming off the antenna is going to launch that bad boy all the way out in space. And this has to do with the different layers of the atmosphere and antenna installation, type antenna, that kind of stuff. So if I want to talk to the state EOC in Austin on 75 meter or 80 meters and my antenna is only 30 feet off the ground, that's that benefit I was talking about a while ago, I have no problem. But I couldn't do that on 20 meters. I couldn't do it on uh, 15 or 10 because that same amount of energy or the energy in that in that radio wave is not going to reflect off the same layers of the ionosphere as 40 or 75 meters. Where this comes into effect is generally as a rule, except in the case of sporadic E or backscatter or some of the other different modes that will help you work different places on the higher frequencies that you really can't work something like NVIS on anything above 40 meters. Now in that case, as you bring that antenna down towards the ground, you start to force the launch angle of your antenna up higher and higher and higher. We get back to verticals and dipoles. A vertical has a lower launch angle and it receives that way too and that's one of the reasons they're better for DX than say a dipole or uh, something like that. Why horizontal beams are better than dipoles. But as you uh, bring that antenna down you tend to force the signal up. That's one of the reasons that when I got licensed they stayed on us about well you want to make sure you get that antenna high and clear and if you get it less than a quarter wavelength off the ground then you're looking for trouble because it's not going to work very well that way. And in fact, the first antenna book I ever read, uh, there was a whole chapter in there about cloud, what they, what they call them, cloud warmer antennas, which pretty much pointed the signal straight up. One of the things that's going right now is a, uh, a 40 meter delta loop that is hung up in the air on its side. And it only has to be about seven, eight feet off the ground. There's a lot of folks running those now. That antenna, which I work the state EOC with, I may very well not be even be able to hear Mexico on it, which is six or 700 miles away. I know I can hear Cuba on it, but instead of having those long couple of hops, I end up having more hops on something long further away. Don't get me wrong. I have worked places like Yugoslavia, and uh, Luxembourg on that 75 me on that uh, G5RV on 75 meters. These are things that a lot of y'all need to go out and research. That's a big part of the hobby is learning how to find these things out, researching the material, giving it a try. 
and uh, learning new things. Like I said before, unless you've got the property to go out and spread things out the way you want them, or even worse, if you're living in one of these homes where part of the deal to buy the place was to let everybody in the neighborhood have control of what you do on your property, you're going to have to make compromises. But you're also going to have to know enough about what you're doing to make informed decisions on how you do it. I have run wire antennas for years. I've never had luck with verticals. I know people that have run only commercial-made verticals and swear by them. Uh, I know one guy that exclusively works DX. He doesn't even get on the radio unless there's a DX station he hasn't gotten already. And that's fine for him. He uses a vertical antenna and everything's lovely. But it's easier for us to make things, and this is one of the arguments I've had with some of the folks locally, not in the near past, is the fact that most of us come in the hobby, and we don't have the money to run out and buy the toys that we want to have whenever we want to run out and whenever we decide we want them. We uh, have to make do and learn how to get around things. I've been running wire antennas longer than I've been an amateur radio operator. They've always served me well. You just have to know. It's just like that old car you you got when you were a teenager. You knew what its limitations were. You knew what you had to do to make it go the way it was supposed to. And this hobby's kind of like that. So I hope this information has been helpful. And uh, like I said, y'all send me some feedback and let me know... Uh, let me know how, uh, whether it has been helpful or not. And like I said, I love field day. I've got two or three other things that, uh, I was asked out there. And for those of y'all that are out there going, well, what about the battery charging stuff? I'm done. I've done the research. It's there and we'll get those out. But these questions from the new hams, I always feel that they're more timely and a little more important, or should at least be gotten out a little quicker. So with that, y'all go ahead and kick back. We'll play another tune. We'll be back on the other side.
pretty much brings us to the end of another resonant frequency the amateur radio podcast once again i appreciate all of y'all each and every one of you listeners out there for everything y'all do putting us on people on blogs replaying us for your friends telling people how to get to the website uh like i said i appreciate each and every one of y'all so uh y'all remember to come back and see us next time once again i said uh, said earlier we've added an aug feed so uh, those of you that prefer the open source uh, variation of the audio file uh, it's available to you over at the website uh, if you uh, want to go directly to the website that's at http uh, colon stroke stroke rf info you can find both the feeds there the rss and the aug feed or you can pick us up at itunes uh, resonant frequency at the itunes store uh, we have uh, quite a following over there also if you'd like to contact me uh, you can follow me on twitter that's uh, twitter.com stroke kb5jbv or send me an email direct I, I love getting email at kb5jbv at blacksparrowmedia.com or 
Uh, so many things, so little time. Uh, you can visit the forums at the website over at blacksparrowmedia.com. That's uh, http colon stroke stroke uh, blacksparrowmedia.com. Just go on in, check the forums. There's a link right out there on the front page to uh, go over to them in the main navigation menu. For those of you who haven't checked out Linux and Hamshack, don't let the word Linux scare you. We talk about most open source and free software. Uh, we even talk about some proprietary software as long as you don't have to dig down in your pocket to get it. And it's not uh, something that even you, if you pay money for it, you don't own it. Kind of uh, like a certain operating system we know and y'all can go over and check that out and we actually have a live show at linux and the ham shack that's at uh, lhsinfo.org lhsinfo.org or blacksparrowmedia.com stroke lhs well either way we'll get you there uh y'all go over and give it a listen uh one of those things we were asking about help and i forgot to put it up front and since most folks don't listen to this segment, I'll probably have to try and remember it for uh, the next time around. We are thinking about doing a live show, Resonant Frequency Live, so that we can add another show every month to the uh, to the podcast feed. And it's in the formative stages. If you're interested in something like that, would be willing to maybe show up for a live show, get in the chat room, ask some questions. Uh, even if you have a microphone, we could bring you in so... Uh, your voice could be heard on the recording. Uh, if you do Echolink or uh, Digital HF or some of the other uh, uh, voice mo voice things where you need a microphone for your computer, Skype phone calls, VOIP phone calls, that kind of stuff, uh, be easy enough to get y'all uh, involved. Uh, like I said, we're in the formative stages of that, and if uh, you're interested, and even for those who uh, don't want to be heard, and uh, might just show up and watch what's going on in the chat room. Watch the live feed because there will be video with this. Um, Y'all send me an email too because if I get enough yes votes on this, we're probably going to proceed on with it. So there's something for y'all to think about and something for me to remember for the next uh, next episode. I'll have to write it down, tack it on the wall, maybe even tattoo it to the back of my inside of my eyelids so that I remember to say something about it. So we've talked about uh, email, forums, Twitter, both websites, all three websites. Hmm, got to be something else. Oh, yes, last but not least, send me your field day stories. I have a couple, not very many. Send me your field day stories. If you want them included in Resident Frequency, the Amateur Radio Podcast, you send me those field day stories, and uh, we'll sure enough get them on in here. So with that... I guess we're pretty much done for this time around. Once again, y'all go out and download, tell your friends about us, put us on your blogs, and uh, we'll see what happens by the next time we record. So with that, y'all take care of your families and yourself, and uh, we will see y'all down the log. 73.
gotta go.